0: On the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You know, oftentimes on Facebook, uh, someone will say, Name your or list your five favorite books or your nine favorite books, whatever. And every single time, the first book I always start off with is The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. To me, he was our greatest literary being. And in my mind and and heart still remains that particular person. Uh, There's not anything he wrote that I wouldn't read and didn't fall in love with. Um, I had the unique opportunity to chat with the executive director of the Pat Conroy Literary Center. He himself is quite something else. Jonathan Haupt has um, uh, hundreds. uh, First of all, he gathered hundreds of friends of, and the readers of, of Pat Conroy to Beaufort, South Carolina on Saturday night, October 22nd, for the recent closing ceremony of the inaugural Pat Conroy Literary Festival. The program took place in the auditorium of the University of South Carolina's um, Beaufort Center of the Arts and was intended to share information about the new nonprofit Pat Conroy Literary Center formed last April as a living legacy to Pat Conroy, who, as most of you know, lived in Lowcountry. Um, He died on March 4th of 2016 of pancreatic cancer. Um, His wife Uh, Cassandra King Conroy has been a guest on this show. Today Jonathan is with me. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. He has forged a distinguished career in literary arts leadership in his adopted home of South Carolina. He served as director of the University of South Carolina press prior to that, the university of South Carolina press assistant director for sales and marketing. Um, the press was honored with the governor's award for in the humanities, um, He, The commitment through that organization alone um, was for Humanities Publishing. He also established the press acclaimed Story River Fiction Books Imprint, edited by Pat Conroy and named by Garden & Gun magazine as one of the top ten things to love about the South, never mind the food and the beauty around there Um, he created and co-chaired the pat conroy at 70 festival in october 2015 which was an immersive literary event that combined equal parts birthday conference film festival civic pride community outreach and family reunion it was just magnificent Uh, He was newly elected to the Board of Governors of the South Carolina Academy of Authors, um, Palmetto State's Literary Hall of Fame, by the way, and served on the boards for the the South Carolina Book Festival, Deco Edge Literary Festival, One Columbia for Arts and History, and Columbia's One Book, One Community. I have to tell you that I could read all night about Jonathan Haupt. Instead, I'd like to talk to him, and I'd like you to listen. I am honored to welcome to the show the Executive Director of the Pat Conroy Literary Center, Mr. Jonathan Haupt. Jonathan, welcome, and thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest tonight.
1: Oh, Thank you, Pam. I really appreciate the invitation. This is a wonderful show to be a part of.
0: You know, um, I I had mentioned to you before when we were talking that you and I have many mutual author friends, and um, when I posted that you would be a guest on this show, people were just cheering because they think so highly of you and your dedication to the arts and humanities in South Carolina, particularly in Lowcountry. But one of the most fun things for me was to find out that you were co-editing a book about Co- Pat Conroy called Our Prince of Scribes, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, has 70 authors in here. Is that correct? Uh,
1: it has 67 different writers who knew Pat at How about different that? points over a span of about 50 years. It's By no means every single writer who Pat influenced, his circle of friends, was just remarkably inclusive. But we were so fortunate to find 67 writers who could commit the time and the attention to share their stories, very often a personal story they had never committed to print before, just to capture what Pat meant to each of them in, in really wonderful, empowering ways.
0: Well, you know, I can understand that. Um I did my thesis on The Prince of Tides <laughs> and I read I had already read that book 10 times and so when it was on the professor's reading list that I obviously chose. Um and was very glad I did and it was just amazing. Um I I saw the movie. Um I thought it was well done, but of course nothing is the same as reading himself interestingly enough though one of the first blurb on the back jacket of this is pat conroy was a force for good in our world with courage and grace he brought the gifts of the devastating beauty of his writing and his transcendent vision of the human heart to the lives of readers he touched and the writers he inspired and that was for barbara streisand From the forward That's that's right
1: Uh, Ms. Streisand was really kind to offer a a wonderful forward to the book And it's something that began uh, with the project you mentioned earlier in the introduction She had written Mm -hmm. a, a letter to Pat for his 70th birthday To be presented to him at our Pat Connery at 70 Festival in Beaufort in October of 2015 and that, that letter of love and friendship and appreciation is the heart of her forward to our Prince of Scribes. But she was kind enough to add a little something extra for the book to sort of put it in context. And she has been uh, one of the largest contributors to our nonprofit Conroy Center in Beaufort too. So she makes possible a large part of the educational work that we do in and, and well beyond the Low Country.
0: Um, Jonathan, your resume on its own stands uh, just head, head and shoulders above most people who are involved in, in literary works, in the, human, in the arts and humanities. Um, how in the world did you come to where you are? It, how did your love of all the humanities manifest in you?
1: You know, I've been really fortunate to have uh, two phenomenal mentors. Uh, one we've mentioned several times already, Mr. Pat Conroy, and I came into his his orbit when I came to South Carolina in 2004. I was uh, at that time a publicist for the University of South Carolina Press and uh-huh. uh, was asked to get a blurb for a forthcoming novel about Charleston, and, and the writer wanted a blurb from Pat Conroy, as naturally everybody did. So I was given a phone number and uh, a chance to call Pat, who I did not know. I had read, but I had never met. And I called him up and got this voicemail message that said, you've reached the voicemail of Pat Conroy, and you can leave a message if you like. He might call you back, but probably not, which was disheartening <laughs> in that moment. It's not really what you want to hear. Right. Uh, so I left <laughs> this rambling three-minute message explaining who I was and why I was calling and why I thought this was worth his time. And I was cut off by the beep at a certain point, And I realized, I'm not even sure I've left my phone number. I'm not even sure he has a way to call me back. But he called me the very next day uh, to my absolute surprise. And he interrogated me for about 45 minutes, asking me virtually nothing about the book I had called about, but everything about me trying to figure out who I was and why I was in South Carolina and who I knew and what I was reading and something that we said in the course of that conversation convinced him that I was going to be worth his time. I'd love to know what it was so I could say it more often, but <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea. But uh, we, we became acquaintances, and when I became director of USC Press, at that point we became not only friends but partners, because that's the point that Pat volunteered to be editor-at-large for what became Story River Books, this fiction imprint that we created. And over the last five years of his life, I got to work very closely with Pat, uh, hand-in-hand, student and teacher, often reversing those roles, as we found, identified, and ultimately championed and published uh, 22 novels and short story collections and Story River books. And this was at a time in Pat's life when he didn't have to do anything for anybody, but he chose to. This gave him a chance to be a teacher again, not just to me, although he certainly was that, but also to the writers that we were publishing in Story River and to the readers who are reading these books. It was just a phenomenal experience to be at Pat's side during this this point in his life but as amazing as all that was pat will only ever be my second best mentor my first introduced me into the world of publishing straight out of grad school her name uh, is lisa bear and she is now the director of the university of georgia press and the publisher of our prince of scribes the anthology that we mentioned earlier
0: wow, when wow.
1: lisa took me under her wing um, straight out of grad school and i didn't know anything about anything and was a phenomenal mentor and continues to be a great friend to me. We both became university press directors on the same day. I became director wow. at USC Press the same day that she became director at UGA Press. So we've we've had a, a really wonderful friendship over the years, and I'm grateful to her for bringing me into this world and showing me what it could mean and can mean and does mean to, to readers and writers and teachers and students. All, all that to Lisa and to Pat.
0: What was uh, Mr. Conroy like?
1: He was the most naturally funny man I've ever met. And for people who've who've read him on the page and and see the darkness in his writing and and the depth that he's willing to go to into his own soul and his own experience, that may be surprising that, that he was naturally funny. But he was able to put... So much of the darkness on the page that it, I think it freed up a lot of the light in his soul to be to be present in his person in his interactions with others. He was, in the time that I knew him, which was late in his life, he was also just an incredibly generous man with his time, with his energy, with his knowledge, going above and beyond, over and over again, and, and it was reflective of the kind of people and teachers that he had as a young person himself when he came to Buford in, in the 1960s, when his family came here when Pat was 16 and he met people like his English teacher, Gene Norris, and his first creative writing teacher, the novelist Ann Head, and a really wonderful uh, principal at Buford High at the time, Bill Duffert, who has become a mentor and friend to me at 93 years old. These people wow. showed Pat what a life of a life of service could mean. The, this was a way to live a life and that's the path that I knew late in life was a man just dedicated to giving as much of himself to others as he could as often as he could and as well as he could
0: when you were in college what was your plan what did you think you were going to do when you graduated and what did you do
1: Uh, Well, that's an interesting question to ask me at this point because I'm sort of circling back to those experiences now. I entered into college thinking I was going to be a chemist, uh, but I broke more beakers in the chemistry lab than any other student at that time. And this became clear, this is not going to be my path, but I was uh, at that point writing some short stories and entering them into contests and to my great surprise, winning them as well. And so at a certain point, I switched over to uh, to English. Well, in high school, I had a, a friend who was another chemistry geek. Her name was Laura Trenum. And after a near, nearly 30-year hiatus in our friendship, we just recently reconnected here in South Carolina. And I should mention that we went to high school in Martin, Tennessee, pretty far removed from where we are now. Laura is now the author of 15 or so books. Yes. She, too, has gone on to live a literary life. And Um, now we're three hours apart from each other. So it's interesting the way these circles complete themselves time and time again.
0: Yes, absolutely. So you started writing short stories, and then what happened? Uh,
1: I became really interested in the the business of literature, not just the writing aspect of it, but the world of publishing. And in grad school, um, I have a, a master's degree from Southern Illinois University in English Lit, Uh, I think probably the biggest lesson I learned was that I didn't at that point in my life want to be in a classroom anymore on either side of the desk as teacher or student. (laughs) Wow. uh, So, you know, I I didn't really feel like I should be pursuing a PhD program or going to teach in community colleges or any of the other paths that were open to me, but I was more and more interested in publishing. And SIU is one of about 150 universities that had a university press so I applied for a, a job there, a temporary position that I thought I might do for a few months and see if it was a good fit or not. And I ended up in that world for nearly 20 years. But that's when Lisa wow. found me and um, hired me straight out of grad school into, uh, into SI Press. And, um, you know, I was there for six years in marketing and publicity learning that business, having a really good opportunity. That, that press became a boot camp of sorts. There were a bunch of us who came through that and ended up as university press directors. It's, it's an interesting legacy to be a part of. But in 2004, I had the chance to interview for marketing director positions, for management-level positions at two university presses, and one was South Carolina. And I would never been in, in the Palmetto State before in my life. But when I came here, as happens to so many people, I just immediately fell in love with the place and its potential to become a better version of itself, which I think the state is very much committed to, at least as I experience it. But after uh, coming to uh, USC Press, to South Carolina, I again had the opportunity to advance in the ranks uh, rather quickly. I have no idea if I was... I'm certainly not the youngest person to ever be a university press director, but I may well have been the youngest at the time that I was university press director. And that too was a wonderful experience. But what I was finding was the best part of my experience in South Carolina was getting to know and work with Pat Conroy. So when he passed away March 4th of 2016, and um, you know, that part of my experience in publishing went away, I was at a crossroads as to what to do, and Pat's agent, Marley Russoff, and Pat's widow, Cassandra King, who you've mentioned, and some others were in the process of trying to figure out how they wanted to honor Pat, and they knew that they didn't want anything as passive as a statue, as as lovely as that might have been. They wanted an active legacy for Pat, uh, this guy who had been a man of action in all of our lives, and they created the Literary Center, uh, which grew out of a moment of grief and a need to act uh, in Pat's memory. And it's become so much more than that in the, in the years that this has existed. The center opened to the public in October of 2016 at um, our Pat Conroy Literary Festival. And we announced that year, as you said in your introduction, that I would be named the first director of the Literary Center. And I left USC Press and the world of publishing to come to Buford uh, to do that. And what I found almost immediately, and this is certainly true of my experience now as I look back on it just a few years later, publishing had become for me about saying no, and that's not a particularly happy way to live a life. No, we can't publish your book. No, I can't send it to Oprah. No, the New York Times isn't going to review it. You just say no over and over again, and there's no joy in that. There's no joy in hearing it, and there's no joy in saying it. But at the Literary Center, we're we're not a publisher. We're here in service of writers to help writers and readers in any capacity that we can. And in You're that right. life, I, I get to say yes all the time. And it's a fantastic way to live, as it turns out.
0: I bet it is. Um I'm looking at the website for the litera- the literary center and um yeah. some of the quotes that that Pat said and he said uh, the most powerful words in English are tell me a story. I cannot tell you how I got goosebumps when I read that because every time I meet someone, I say, tell me a story or tell me your story. It, it, and it seems to have led me here to doing this wonderful thing, like talking to people like you and, and, and other writers and, uh, artist in whatever their capacity. So uh, I guess I really liked storytelling a lot (laughs) because I read a lot and I also like listening to other people's stories. Uh, May we take a few minutes and talk about our Prince of Scribes, the anthology. Would you give us a little bit of background on this and some of your favorite stories in here? I know that you love all of them, but perhaps you can point out a couple that you'd want readers to Really take a moment and, listen, and read. I know it's like asking oh, uh, which child you like. Which child do you like the best, right?
1: <laughs> the 67 so. children is the favorite. Um, well, right.
0: I- Jonathan, I don't know if you're there. Um, I can't hear you. I don't know if your cell phone has faded out. Are you still there?
1: Hey, are we still on?
0: We are. I missed a Excellent. whole... Oh. I, I missed a whole, a whole <laughs> part of you talking when I mi- when we were talking about the sixty seven children. So I don't yes. know if your phone kind of faded out a little bit. I know sometimes in low country it's hard to keep a connection on cell phones. So um, it
1: can be, but uh, I'm hearing yeah. you just fine, and I hope you're hearing okay. me now as well. Now I yeah.
0: am. Yes, I am. Sure. So. so. Um. I, I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt what you were saying, but I'm curious as to some of your favorite short stories in this book. And by the way, Absolutely. these are very short. These are very short stories. Some are just, you know, a few pages long. So um, you readers can really get a very good sense of Mr. Conroy's um, impact on the writer's life in these few sto- in these few pages.
1: That was our hope to get as as deeply personal as we could with our writers and to share stories that, that even Pat's most dedicated readers had probably never heard before. And when I say we, let me back up just one step and say that I am I'm one of two co-editors with, uh, with our Prince of Scribes. This was done in partnership with Nicole Seitz, a, a really fantastic yes. Charleston novelist and artist and Nicole's novel the Cage Maker was published in Story River Books, the fiction imprint that Pat Conroy and I created together. It came out oh. after Pat passed away, but it was one of the last books he selected for this imprint. So Nicole and I were talking at the Edge Festival, the very first Edge Festival in Columbia, South Carolina, just after Pat had announced to the world uh, that he had pancreatic cancer, uh, which I had known uh, for several months, but was new information to, to the world at that point. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how so many people at that festival uh, were there and, in fact, had become writers because of Pat Conroy because he had mentored them personally or they had read him on the page and had been inspired by him as a writer. And wouldn't it be a wonderful project to gather some of those stories together quickly, perhaps even mm-hmm. in time to, to share them with Pat. And two weeks later to the day, he passed away. Uh, that anniversary is mm-hmm. coming up a week, week from today, March 4th, in mm-hmm. fact. So Nicole and I slowed down in the process here and thought about this as a legacy project and really wanted to be as inclusive as possible in in the stories that we were attracting for the, for the anthology. At the same time, a lot of writers were uh, releasing and publishing public remembrances of Pat Conroy. For example, Pulitzer prize winner, Rick Bragg wrote a beautiful piece that appeared originally in uh, Southern living and, um, Kathleen Parker, another Pulitzer Prize winner, wrote a fantastic piece for the Washington Post about Pat Conroy, World's Sexiest Man, uh, repeating a, an article that uh, – or inspired, I should say, by an article she had written years later. So we were gathering up things that were being published and also reaching out to writers who had not yet published anything publicly but whom we knew had fantastic stories.
0: And the organization
1: of the book, I give Nicole a full and well-deserved credit for that. It took a novelist to piece these things together in this order. Sure. But it becomes a sort of chronological story of Pat, not as he would have told his own story and did, in fact, tell his own story over the course of his own 12 books, but as the way that we experienced it alongside of him. And it took us about a year and a half to gather these stories and during that time, wow. uh, as they were coming in, we were the only two people reading them. They were coming into us, and we were trading them back and forth and responding. And there were ones that just made me cry over and over again because they were so powerful, so beautifully written. And I felt like I was getting to know Pat uh, all over again and in ways that I hadn't known him even when he was alive through other people's wow. stories. Uh, but to circle back around to your question, just as some examples of stories that are in here, the one that always gets me, even now, even, even uh, you know, well over a year past publication, is a piece by Valerie Sayers, who was one of Pat's Beaufort High School students. He taught at Beaufort High, the same Beaufort High he had graduated from uh, for two years before he went out to Defosky Island teaching psychology and what may well have been the first African-American studies class taught in any public school in South Carolina. And Valerie had been one of his psychology students, well, now she's the author of six novels. She's a two time Pushcart Prize winner for short fiction. She's been inducted into wow. South Carolina's Literary Hall of Fame. And she serves on our board of directors at the Conroy Center. And she wrote this beautiful essay about interacting with Pat at different points in her life, uh, from child, from her high school years to adulthood. And, you know, just see Pat through her eyes over nearly 50 year span is just so touching, so beautifully done. That piece still makes me cry every time I read it. Uh, and I never knew Pat in that way. So to get to experience it through her words was, was really remarkable. But there are um, stories from several of our Story River Brooks writers who did not know Pat early on, who only came to know him through that experience. Folks like uh, Anthony Grooms and John Lane and Mark Powell and the Georgia writer Mary Hood, all of whom Pat and I published in Story over books, they share their pieces near the end of the anthology, and it really gets into what Pat was like in those final years when he was dedicated to doing as much as he could for these other writers who who may not have been published in that way, may not have been received in the way that they were pub they were had somebody not somebody like Pat Conroy not been on their side, not not right. dedicated right. to him as he was. And he had great faith that uh, some of these Story River writers would would go on to have other uh, wonderful publishing experiences. And Mark Powell, who was published in Story River with the novel The Sheltering, has come out with two novels since then. Uh, Mary Hood became the only writer ever to win the Townsend Prize for fiction twice, and the second time was for her Story River Uh, short story collection, A Clear View of the Southern Sky. And only two university press books have ever won the Willie Morris Award for Southern Fiction. Phenomenal $10,000 wow. prize. Both of them published by Pat Conroy and I in Story River Books. One was Bren McLean's novel, One Good Mama Bun. And the other is a novel by Catherine Clark called The Headmaster's Darlings. And both of those writers share their stories in Our Prince of Scribes, too. So we ended up with this really remarkable group of writers from from people who were literally raised by Pat Conroy, like his daughter, Melissa, who's in the book. brother, Tim Conroy, is in there as well.
0: Cassandra
1: wrote wrote a beautiful afterword. We've got people who really knew Pat over a long period of time in a a deeply personal way. And those who also knew him uh, perhaps only in passing. Uh, but he was really transformative to them in in whatever way he touched their lives
0: it and sure seems not so. only
1: does the book sort of tell us all these wonderful things about pat it 's instructive in in how to live a life of purpose and meaning to others, as Pat yes. certainly tried to
0: yes uh well, you know uh, every time I think about him i i I become very emotional because it was always my dream to see him in person or to listen to him read. And I, of course, I was devastated when he passed away. And um, so now I know Cassandra. I know many of the writers who, who shared stories in the books. I've had a chance to interview them and now having a chance to speak to you, it feels almost just as good, almost just as good as if I had shook his hand himself, you know, in person. So I'm I'm thrilled that you were here. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Would you please tell everyone about the Pat Conroy Literary Center, where they can find it on the web, and how they can participate in fulfilling Mr. Conroy's legacy?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. Well, the center's website is just simply patconroyliterarycenter.org. We are a nonprofit based in Beaufort, South Carolina, and Pat's adopted hometown. The center is a physical space you can visit. It's a museum open to the public four days a week. And even though we've only been around a short time by Beaufort standards, we are TripAdvisor's top-ranked destination in Beaufort, have been for over a year now. People come from all over the country and to some degree all over the world to visit the center. We think of them as literary pilgrims because there is sort of a spiritual component to what they get out of the visit as well. And most of our docents, most of the volunteers who lead tours at the center are people who knew Pat when he was around, so they're able to share their personal stories as well as the stories of the artifacts we have in the center. And those are things like Pat's writing desk from his Fripp Island home. He wrote some part of every book from Beach Music Forward longhand on yellow legal pads at that desk, and there it is right in the middle of the center to be seen by all of our visitors. But in addition to having this interpretive center, this museum, most of what we spend our time doing and most of what I get to spend my time doing is teaching where we offer uh, educational programs, writers' workshops, book club discussions, visiting writers' programs. We have our own literary festival in Beaufort. Uh, We have a summer camp that we do for young writers called Camp Conroy, a book club convention, just a really robust calendar of events And it's not just low country. That's the amazing thing for an organization of our size. Last year, we hosted or otherwise participated in just over 120 events in 10 states.
0: It's remarkable
1: the the reach that we have. And that's the power of Pat Conroy. That's the influence that he had as well. We do all of this as a nonprofit and we're run almost entirely by gifts and grants. The generosity of of people to whom Pat was dear is just remarkable and it continues to be. And that is what allows us to do all of these wonderful things in service to readers and writers and teachers and students.
0: Well, I have to tell you that it's impressive. You have Um, retreats and and so many literary events going on you can click on the website folks and find out uh, all about those um, events that are happening you can find out about the board of directors you can see pictures of the inside of the center Um, you can there's it is a completely lovely site. You'll even see some of the volunteers, the pictures of the volunteers. Um, you'll get to know who the sponsors are. And please, when you go there, make sure to donate. If it's $5, that's going to help. It really does. Jonathan Howe, it has been an honor to speak to you. I have learned so much from you, and and I'm tickled that you are here Thank you so much. Will you come back again maybe when you find an aspiring, maybe really cool young author who you think is going to be great and maybe do uh, take a turn at the microphone and interview that person?
1: Oh, I would love to do that, Pam. I'm already okay. thinking of some folks we can do that with. So it's a deal. Well, why we can don't count we
0: on it. Why don't we plan on doing that every quarter, bringing somebody on who's new and upcoming and who might just get published, and let you take the microphone, and that will be uh, my part of my contribution to the Pat Conroy Literary Center.
1: That is very much in the spirit of Pat Conroy, and I know he would appreciate that. So, yes, Thank you absolutely, so much. let's do that.
0: Thank you so much for being with me tonight, Jonathan. It has truly been my pleasure to have you here. And I want to remind all of you, this is Jonathan Haupt. He is the Executive Director of the Pat Conroy Literary Center. I urge you to go and look at the website. And please, if you love reading, you love writing, donate this is a living legacy to um a man who impacted so many lives thank you again jonathan and you and i are going to be talking again soon okay
1: i look forward to it pam thank you
0: so much thank you so much have a good evening and folks thanks for listening here with me i appreciate it and i'll see you later bye (laughs)